0: Hello and welcome to the Happy Baby podcast. Today's episode is about ear infections and blue ear. Conditions we see very often as winter approaches and children start to pick up coughs and colds. We will also chat to Michael Power about his services here at our clinic. Michael is a paediatric audiologist who has worked for many years at Alder Hay Children's Hospital in Liverpool. For more information on ear infection and blue ear, follow us on Instagram, at the happy baby podcast. I remember our oldest child had recurring ear infections from about 12 months old. Do you remember his first birthday party Frank? He was so sick.
1: I do indeed he was very sick on that day yeah he was the poor fellow yeah.
0: But ear infections are the most common illness to affect preschool children with up to 90% of children experiencing one before their third birthday. Why are they so common?
1: Let's talk a little bit about the ear first. So it's made up of three distinct parts, the outer ear, the middle ear and the inner ear, which is deep within the temporal bone at the side of the head. And that anatomy in young babies and children up to the age of four is very small. And as a result of that, the eustachian tube, which is the tube that drains fluid from the middle ear, is actually quite small as well and is also on a horizontal line. So gravity And pulling fluid from the middle ear, if it accumulates, is more difficult in that age group. And that, for me, is one of the key reasons why young kiddies and babies get ear infections.
0: And are some children more likely to get an ear infection?
1: Yeah, there are definitely some risk factors for ear infections and glue ear. I give you a couple of them. Being under three years of age or being a boy you're more likely to get an air infection. Going to a nursery where you're mixing with children in a daycare setting and as a result of that, you're more exposed to the bacteria and viruses that might be floating around and can get infections from that. Bottle-fed babies, simply because breast milk increases the baby's immune system so protects them from those sorts of infections. Being near secondhand smoke, so children with a parent who smokes they're fifty percent more likely to get ear infections and forty percent more likely to get glue ear. That's what we read about in the research. Being in a large family or having a family history of glue ear—that's something I very often ask in the case history. Is there a sibling who's had ear issues, or maybe one of the parents have had? Using a soother, children diagnosed with an ear infection have almost double the risk of recurrent infections if they use a soother because it changes. The negative pressure in the middle ear and therefore the fluid can stay there. Having recurrent coughs and colds, obviously in babies and in children, if they're constantly chesty, can lead to ear infections and glue air as well.
0: And what are the signs and symptoms of an ear infection, Frank?
1: Obviously in older children, they may be able to indicate some of the symptoms that they have. In younger kiddies, you need to look out for certain things. One of the key things is that they might have a high temperature. They may be off form. They may be pulling at their ears or scratching at their hairline. They may also be rolling their head from side to side, trying to shift the fluid. Also, they may be off their food because when they're swallowing or chewing, their ear may be sore or it may be uncomfortable for them. They would be the things you'd look for.
0: So many children will just have one ear infection and that's it. But if a child is getting recurring ear infections, what are the reasons for this?
1: Yeah, most kids will get one, maybe two ear infections and they'll clear up normally simply because the ear is able to drain the fluid naturally without any effects. However, with a kiddie who's getting recurrent ear infections over a four or five or six month period, then you have to look a little bit deeper. One of the things you would notice is that the kid probably got more fluid in the middle ear that isn't draining properly through the eustachian tube. And that can be one of the main reasons why recurrent ear infections occurs.
0: And what exactly is glue ear then, Frank?
1: So glue ear is essentially fluid behind the eardrum. The fluid may become thick and cause pain and a reduction, sometimes in the child's hearing. And that fluid should naturally drain through the eustachian tube, but it doesn't. The fluid can thicken over time, as I've said already, and can become a repeated source of infection.
0: And how would a parent know if their child had blue ear?
1: One of the key things might be that, you know, you're calling the child and they're not responding immediately. They may have the TV turned up a little bit higher. They could have some speech delays so that the words that they normally should be saying at their appropriate age may be delayed because they're not hearing properly. Some kiddies, when I see them in the clinic, they'll come to see us because they have a poor sleeping pattern. And when you examine the kitty, you find that they have sensitivity behind their ears, maybe poor posture, and as a result of that, their sleeping may be caused by a glue ear problem where they're getting this popping sensation in their ear. Some kitties, the parents will say, oh, they fall over a lot. And my experience of that is that that can be a balance issue in the middle ear because there's fluid there.
0: And can you explain how pediatric osteopathy can help a child with glue, ear, and recurring ear infections?
1: So, when I treat a kitty for glue, ear, and recurrent ear infections, I'm very interested in their posture. And I'm very interested in the posture, particularly around the neck and shoulder area. Very often, you'll see the kitty who will come into the clinic, will probably be congested, might even have a runny nose you will see very often that they're actually tilting their head backwards and that their shoulders are maybe slouched forwards a little bit and so therefore their posture is quite poor what we try and do is to correct their posture into neutral posture get any muscle tension behind their ears muscularly going from the back of the ear to the front of the collarbones or indeed to the upper rib cage to release that muscular tension to create a neutral posture so a better position for the head and ultimately, for the shoulders. When you open up this area, in my experience, you start to get drainage happening from the middle ear through the eustachian tubes. And I would very often say to the parents, for the next few days, watch the flow of fluid. I call it the streaming process, which may come down the ear, or indeed they may actually produce a little bit more phlegm. So for me, having very good posture is a key factor in my experience of treating glue ear. Hello, Michael, and welcome to the Happy Baby podcast. Would you like to start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Thank you, Frank.
2: I'm a senior audiologist. I graduated in University College London School of Audiology 2000. For the last 20 years, I've been working in adult and paediatric hospitals, and mainly for the last eight. Since 2004, really, I've been a um, specializing in paediatric audiology. So I have, in the last eight years, I've really been spent in um, dedicated paediatric okay. hospitals.
1: And and you're based in, in sort of West Cork, and you I know you come up and do a clinic with us. Yeah,
2: Patrick, yeah is in Mary
1: and Marion Cork. Okay, very good. Ha, has audiology sort of developed in Ireland in our, into the primary healthcare setting? It has, but um, mainly centres in Cork, but we'd like to bring it on
2: further to for the paediatric service, okay. especially.
1: One of the key things I wanted to talk to you actually about was you know, around this time of the year, sort of in, in the winter season. I would see a lot of children in the clinic with air infections and in a condition called glue air. So I would treat them osteopathically for things like that. In your experience, Michael, how can glue air, if you like, affect a child's hearing and, and maybe define what your your understanding of glue air is? It is seasonal, it really.
2: It occurs when the middle ear, when the air filled middle ear fills up with fluid, when okay. it comes with like, negative pressure in the middle ear. Fluid is drawn in, and the passage of sound, the normal passage of sound through the ear is impeded by the presence of fluid, so you get decreased hearing ability for the child, and um, congestion, the child may be pulling at his ears, his ears would be red, so he wouldn't be responding as well, sometimes we have behavioural issues, and um, a simple hearing test, and um, can diagnose that. Can diagnose
1: that, yeah, because I would see some of the symptoms that you've talked about, you know, pulling at the ear or even scratching behind the ear as well. And sometimes when the kitty lies down, they do this head rolling action yes. moment often. See, so that's what I think they're trying to do is maybe move the fluid by actually moving their head from side to side. So those are some of the things that I would certainly ask when I'm taking a case history for that. And when you say negative pressure, what do you mean by that in the ear? Adults, might, when when they're flying, when they're descending an oh, the right. aircraft, the pressure
2: isn't equal on both sides of the eardrum because it hasn't equalized like when we when we landed our airplane. Yeah. So the eustachian tube is blocked, so we have congestion there, and so um, the children can't equalize. Well mm-hmm. are not equalize. That's where they. That's where the irritation is coming from. Mm-hmm. They're Trying to open the eustachian tube to let the fluid flow out. Really. And how do you like? How do you carry out a hearing test? Firstly, do a history mm-hmm. vary from the parents. So that's number right. one then I'm autoscopy, which is looking at the ears with my light. Sometimes I actually see bubbles and oh, right. fluid levels in the middle ear behind the eardrum. The eardrum is dull if it's red, the, um, So there are physical
1: signs are There are those moving.
2: Those yeah. yeah. We do have a pressure test, the tympanometry. Right. So we measure the movement of the eardrum. So the eardrum is vibrating, is it? Yes, with this little puff of air. We measure the movement of the eardrum with the three bones behind the eardrum. Okay. We also check the eustachian tube function. Okay. If the eustachian tube is blocked or congested, this will tell us that. Uh, so you get a function. reading, really? we get a print out of that, yeah. Provided we can do a hearing test. We'll um, they can play audiometry with men in the boat and put the headphones on the child and hopefully they'll cooperate and will we get a hearing test, usually with glue ear, have a conductive hearing loss.
1: And so, are you able to tell the degree of fluid in the ear from the hearing test? Like sometimes I've seen in reports, oh, you've mild, moderate, or severe. What does that mean? Usually, glue ear would be mild hearing loss.
2: Mild, okay. moderate hearing loss would have a conductive hearing loss because basically the conduction is impaired. Right. The conduction of sound through the ear to the normal passage of sound again through the middle
1: ear is impaired. How would the consequences of that be? That their speech might be affected as well. What's the, the sort of the, the, the connection with that? Yeah, language acquisition is impeded and um,
2: speech development impairs with it.
1: So they might just talk later or they might just have fewer words. Lesser words, yeah. But we have to talk louder to them. Because very often a parent will say to me, oh, he sits very close
2: to the TV at all. Yeah, his volume will be increased. me, it come across as heedless. He's not, it's just simple glue ear. The fluid yeah. in your ear space. talk a bit louder to him and then we get a hearing test and then diagnose it.
1: What's the treatment for glue ear if the child's hearing is affected then as an audiologist? What do you do next? Once we've diagnosed
2: the glue here, we can refer them referm- to an ET consultant. Of okay. course, the GP should be able to uh, provide some nasal or oh, just to right. so relieve the pressure. But if not, we just send it to
1: an consultant. So like a GP might provide a nasal spray, which obviously they use to reduce the buildup of fluid in the yeah, air? Yeah, open the eustachian tube to okay. drain the fluid really. And then see, does that sort it out? Yes, it can spontaneously resolve itself. Right. A in a few months it does resolve itself as well without we going into mean. I suppose what's interesting is just that parents will say to me that their kitty has had several air infections. So they might have an air infection, and then six weeks later it's back again, and then another six weeks later it's back again. What's happening there? Is it the fluid isn't draining? It's not draining fully. The station not functioning properly.
2: So um, we would need a hearing test there and then. If there's so many incidents in six months or a year, we
1: would refer to an ENT. Yeah, I was Our thinking, at what point do you think okay an ENT will refer three, 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 four infections, three four, so four infections, so okay. refer them or, good or place, Yeah. And from an ENT, ear, nose, and throat specialist, what sort of things do they do, or what are they looking for when when the kid presents? Looking for speech impairment, delayed speech, how well it is affecting the child to improve his quality
2: of life But they probably wouldn't put in grommet to okay. drain the fluid from the ear and aerate the middle ear.
1: Okay, so describe what the grommet is for me. What
2: what is it exactly? Grommet's a little ventilation tube that's inserted into the eardrum, gives air into the middle ear and drains out the fluid
1: as well, drains out okay. the fluid. And they normally stay in place for how long? Some stay three six months, maybe, and then they fall out themselves. But you're hoping that the tubes have maybe grown a little bit or gotten bigger? Yeah, maturation, the eustachian tube functioning better. The other sort of question I had what are the effects of hearing loss on a child? So, let's say you've done a hearing test, you refer them to an ENT. What sort of things are affected by hearing loss in a young child? There must be several things, really. Apart from the speech
2: development that, um, behavioural so we need to catch up on um, speech and language therapy after oh, that right, okay. if there's a delayed speech you know, so they should um, develop
1: quickly once the, the fluid is drained because right. you've seen that in your experience I presume you've had kids who've come back or do they come back to you when they've maybe seen an ENT for a repeat tests or... Yeah, they would come back three, six months after them. Um, yeah. yeah. Is that what doing?
2: Oh, very important, yes. Yeah. yeah. So you'll be You also check the function of the grommet. See the grommet patent. Right. Patent okay. the grommet is functioning. Okay. We don't come back to the ENT consultant. So that's important to do so. Yeah. It's so kind of a middle test between between returning to the consultant for grommets. Very important. Mm-hmm. Check yeah. the function of the grommet if the grommet is still there in position. You know, and if it's... From we checked the barometer. The hearing should
0: have improved. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks to Michael Power for joining us today. Remember, if you'd like more information about ear infections at Blue Ear, check out our Instagram pages the Happy Baby Podcast or at Frank Kelleher Baby Osteopath. And if there's something you think we should talk about, just let us know. Send us a message on Instagram. And we will add it to our ever growing list of topics. Until next time, goodbye.